0: Hello, I'm Michael Bissacco, director and part of the Global Transaction Services Advisory Team at Bank of America, and you're listening to the Treasury Insights Podcast. With me today is Vinnie Main, director, treasury deal leader at General Electric, and we will explore the latest trends and strategies in M&A. Welcome, Vinnie.
1: Hello, Michael. Thanks for having me.
0: You're Welcome. The pressure of small and large enterprise alike to create value through M&A transactions has increased to near record highs. Vinny, can you start by sharing your observations in the current M&A environment?
1: The M&A space is unique. It's quite dynamic. It's evolved over the years. I don't think there's anyone sitting in the finance world that would not be reluctant to see a deal out there in the pipeline. When I think about the enterprise and value creation within that space, we start off with our business development team is working with our senior leadership teams, as well as our businesses to to kind of assess that value creation for the organization overall. We're looking for some synergies around growth and acquisitions. Are we winning in a market where we want to try to have some more dominance? And, And sometimes that leads to divestitures or some exits there. It's really driven by a customer focus. But it's a very dynamic space, ever evolving, just an opportunity, a playground of opportunity out there.
0: Vinny, just a quick one off some of your comments. At what stage does Treasury typically get involved in that value creation
1: discussion? Our motto is get us in early. So if you think about the life cycle of a deal, you have what we refer to as a couple different stages. You've got due diligence, pre signing pre-close, close, close, and then you've got post-close. Depending on the size, one thing that's unique about all of the M&A activities that I've been involved in over the years is that no one deal is the same. You can have a boilerplate, you can have PowerPoint, you can have different project plans, and they all fit in in some shape or form. But in terms of creating value, where Treasury plays its biggest role is being number one in all of those engagement rhythms throughout the deal lifecycle. And most importantly, upfront.
0: Got it. Thank you. What are some of the more significant opportunities and challenges, for that matter, to treasury when it comes to an M and A event?
1: I think of opportunities. You know, the one obvious thing comes to mind. Right, we're looking to support our business from a their strategic initiatives and objectives. So that's an opportunity for treasury and our organization to shine in a space that is very challenging in terms of time consumption. Deals can go on for a month, they can go on for a year, they can go on for two years. But one of the things that I see also as a treasury opportunity is we bring treasury functional expertise to the core functions. It's what we do. It's what I'm hired for. It's an expertise across the board. Also in the context of the banks, we work with our network partners typically to provide financing for the deals. You're underwriting a lot of the deals. And there's a tremendous opportunity, depending on the nature of the transaction on both sides, to bring value, not just for our organization, but working with our banking partners as well. Because as I see it, depending on the nature of the transaction in or out, there's an opportunity for the banks as well. I think about some of the challenges, the deal complexities, every deal is different. It's important that you're very engaged. We're partnering with our tax, legal and controllership teams. Due diligence is key. And again, as I said, get us in early from a treasury perspective. One of the other unique things is that it's time sensitive, not like a lot of projects that we work within the confines of either a treasury system deadline or a project deadline. Deals are unique. They either close or they don't. When they do close, when we finally agree on the execution date between the buyer and the seller, depending on which case it is, we've got to execute. It's very important. You're dealing with a lot of complex jurisdictions. Some of these deals are global, whereby you might start out, follow the sun in terms of closing. And then the last thing I think of is what we refer to transition service agreements. It depends on the nature of the buyer and the seller. If they're in that space, if they're operating as a true company, or let's say like a private equity might not have a treasury standup. So that's challenging. and It's important to identify gaps for what I consider day one readiness between the buyers and the sellers.
0: Excellent points, especially on the challenge, and I think the one that you raised that a lot of corporations face is the absolute of a transaction. There is a deadline and it's not one that shifts around once all parties have settled on it. Given the M&A scenario, the current state of treasury, both on the capital side as well as the operation side, it will be changed. It's a given. You know, If I drill down and be more specific, on the operations side, What are a few key considerations to ensure that the governance, the compliance, and the controls of both sides of that transaction are not disrupted until they are integrated? How would you overcome that challenge?
1: When you think about your own company policies and the simple fact that, at least from where we're sitting, we as an organization have gone through years of what I would refer to as treasury centralization and decentralization. And I've seen this throughout a lot of companies as well. You've got treasury as an organization in a corporate environment has a smaller footprint. We see a process where you're decentralizing some of the treasury functions into our businesses. And that's not just driven by M&A, that's just driven by the overall corporate's direction in terms of how they want to manage liquidity, cash, so on and so forth. But I think as far as the Applicability to the M and A space, the cross-functional core functions are key. The early engagement rhythm throughout the deal lifecycle is so important to make sure that when you're executing on a deal, it's all done within the confines of the company's policies. You're never going to compromise operational integrity working through the deals. You've got a lot of complexities in terms of. Working with a buyer or a seller and how their ERPs, how all of that maps, and ensuring that you've got your own controls around one-on-one payments, bank portals, who has access, that allows a lot around our treasury systems as we work through it. There's no one clear answer, but you've got the overarching company policies that you operate under as an organization, and they are applicable both internal and external Again, depending if you're a buyer or seller, that's kind of how I see the managing aspect of making sure that things don't fall through the cracks in terms of what those compliance, governance, and controls could and should be. They should be consistent with your current segregation of duties, your delegations of authority. I won't get too detailed on some specifics there, but that's how I think about it.
0: You kind of look at that alongside the other operational impacts. And you think of a transitional strategy, you hear often a lift and shift and then fix, or the potential to fix, then lift and shift before you integrate. If there are variables that support either approach, and you don't have to talk from both sides, but just generally speaking, if you think of that set of variables on either side, what would you consider as an important insight or two to remember as you come up with your strategy?
1: This is an interesting one. The most critical piece to think about that would be, number one, being flexible. The planning is key. It would be ideal, as I maybe think about that backwards or in reverse, rather, would be the ideal state would be lift and shift. By that, I mean I am going to divest a segment of my business by way of example. In an ideal state, I would love to just unplug in a very simplistic way, unplug that business segment from our current operations, very complex, and plug and play, hand that off to the seller in my example here. And they'd be able to just map that to their ERP and get that fully functional. It's just not realistic, but there's some aspects of that. And again, it gets back to what I said earlier, depending on the buyer type, if they're a company that's been longstanding, they've got Something similar from an ERP perspective, because that's one of the key components in terms of mapping all of your cash management, your banking activity. You've got a whole host of different areas to consider, treasury systems, trade finance, banking, cash management, liquidity. All of those complex issues will ultimately require you to do probably all of the above in terms of what you asked asking there. So lift and shift, again, carving out an existing business, hopefully having enough time as part of the due diligence and plea close process to stand that up as a standalone business, fully operational, full liquidity. That would be ideal. Some examples of shift and fix or things that you can live with. The lift and shift sounds nice and there's no one realistic approach.
0: I'm just thinking of a couple of comments you made, which in fact, as a former practitioner, 100% agree with, and that is involving treasury early. But I'm going to, be difficult here and ask, as it relates to the role that Treasury plays and couple that with involving Treasury early, why is it so important to involve Treasury early in the M&A event?
1: Treasury leads the support for all deals, acquisitions, divestitures, and it's through all phases of the deal life cycle with business development, the businesses, the buyers, and the sellers. It is not unusual for a business development team to be a little bit further along in terms of a deal progressing some deals happen very quickly some of them are not complex some of them are just cash movement when you think about but that might be an example of an asset transaction where you're buying and selling assets when you get into the equity components true sale of a business true sale of legal entities are involved we've got to make sure that we're plugged in which we are we have a rhythm a biweekly rhythm with our BD teams for deals in play and also for what's on the pipeline, what's in the radar. They work that through. And then there's sensitivities. There's what they call NDA, which is a non-disclosure agreement. So you get yourself into a situation where who knows what and when do they need to know. And that can sometimes trip things up. You'll come to find out that a deal is much further along and may have already been signed. Now you're scrambling a little bit, try to get to the execution side if we can get involved up front, just to iron out because the treasury component to me for the success or failure of a deal is the most important. Excellent
0: insights, Vinny. It's valuable for your banking partners to understand and recognize. We've touched on some basics and candidly, I think you've done an excellent job of getting beneath the surface and uncovering some of those more important features. There's a ton that we could talk about here, but we're going to have to end it at this point. Vinny, thank you for your insights. We would both agree that we'll hear quite a bit more about these trends and strategies in the months and years to come. M&A is resurfacing with a lot of momentum
1: lately. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate the opportunity to give some insights from our perspective. As I said at the opening, it's an interesting, evolving, dynamic space. And it's a pretty fun playground to play in. Thank you again for the opportunity. Excellent.
0: I'm Michael Pisacco, director and part of the Global Transaction Services Advisory Team. And my co-host is Vinnie Main, director, treasury deal leader at General Electric. Thank you for listening to our Treasury Insights podcast series.
2: Bank of America and B of A Securities are the marketing names used by the global banking and global markets divisions of Bank of America Corporation. Lending, other commercial banking activities, and trading in certain financial instruments are performed globally by banking affiliates of Bank of America Corporation, including Bank of America NA member FDIC. Trading in securities and financial instruments and strategic advisory and other investment banking activities are performed globally by investment banking affiliates of Bank of America Corporation, investment banking affiliates, including in the United States, B of A Securities Incorporated and Merrill Lynch Professional Clearing Corp both of which are registered broker dealers and members of SIPC and in other jurisdictions by locally registered entities. B of A Securities Incorporated and Merrill Lynch Professional Clearing Corp. are registered as futures commission merchants with the CFTC and are members of the NFA. Investment products offered by investment banking affiliates are not FDIC insured, may lose value, and are not bank guaranteed.